This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition, another offseason of the Clap Your Hands podcast. Brought Too to many offseason off editions. Yes, the, the, the offseason. If they would have made the finals, wouldn't have been as long. I'll tell you that from an Eagles perspective. The offseason feels a little quicker when you play up until the very last game. But brought to you by Odyssey Sports. As always, make sure you download that app. Make sure you leave a five-star review to help the pod grow. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. And brought to you by a guy in Kyle Newbeck that I don't believe has been offered a billion dollars to go uh, to go on another pod, but maybe uh, maybe <laughs> to go maybe, podcast in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, maybe maybe about? in due time uh, you will. I have some like very strong opinions on that. Maybe at the end of the pod, since we're basically an off-season soccer pod uh, at this point. But what's up, man? How you doing? You enjoying your uh, enjoying the the quiet time, uh, which very rarely seems to happen with this team. Um. I'm enjoying that I'm not having to like, you know, run around all the time and do all the day-to-day stuff. There there will be a point sometime, maybe like late August, early September, where it's like, all right, enough. I, I'm time tired of just writing about preview and trade rumors and all that sort of stuff. And I'll get to the point where you know, I'm really ready for the season to get going. For now, though, it's you enjoy this nice lull period and in our case, we try to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about on <laughs> well, the Sixers podcast in July. So last night, um, uh, it's a beautiful night out in Philly. I'm out on the roof. I'm listening to the Phillies game, uh, as one does when the weather is nice outside. I'm scrolling on my phone on Twitter. And I notice that James Harden, the biggest name of the offseason, certainly the biggest name of the Sixers offseason, finally did an interview. He sat down with USA Today. Um, I watched the whole thing. I will say this off the jump, like as someone, and I'm sure you get these emails too from brands that are saying, you know, Hey, we, we can offer you James Harden for 10 minutes if you promote such and such, but here are the deal. Here's the rules. Like this guy's not talking about this. I thought it was very clear that James Harden was not going to talk about the Sixers in this interview. The, uh, the reporter or the host didn't even ask. And I'm guessing that's because she knew she was not allowed to, but He did talk about the Damian Lillard situation in Miami. I thought he had a pretty clear like line that was a shot at Daryl Morey in it. And overall, it was just like the first time to hear him speak since um, 
since all this has gone down. I believe the first time since the end of the season in the locker room in Boston. So I have my thoughts from the interview. Kyle, what do you think of uh, the 10 minutes with uh, with James Harden? Well, so I want to give credit to the interviewer, Mackenzie Salmon, because she essentially got James to address mm-hmm. the trade rumors surrounding him without directly asking him about it, which is always the hardest thing because a lot of times you will ask a question at a presser or in a one-on-one setting. And I guess this is more prominent with executives, coaches, but they'll say, well, I really can't answer that. I can't talk about this. I can't talk about that player, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so working around it and asking a question in that way is always tough. And I appreciate that she got us this answer to talk about. What I made of it is that at least publicly, he's taking a reasonable stance. And, you know, this is sort of, it it dovetails with what we know about what's happened between Harden and the Sixers this summer, right? Where the initial reporting was James wanted out. The Sixers are trying to work with him in order to put him somewhere where he wants to be. And it was not a, they're drawing a line in the sand and fuck this guy and he's got to come back and blah, blah, blah. It's always been framed as, they would like for him to come back because mm-hmm. they don't want to trade him for, you know, the poo-poo platter or whatever is being offered out there right now. But they are because they know he's a star player and they know the importance of relationships and what have you, trying to humor his request as much as they possibly can. Now, the divide, as far as I can see it right now, is that I think James and James's representation believe that this should have been done and they want it to happen quicker. And that's sort of the crux of the debate is, are the Sixers dragging their feet or are they just waiting until, you know, someone makes the offer that is going to send this over the top? You know, I would tend to believe it's just, there are not a lot of attractive packages out there. And so they're not going to trade him just to trade him. Like I mentioned in a thing I wrote this morning about this, all the reports are Terrence Mann has not been made available by the Clippers and, I really like Terrence Mann, but if you're not willing to trade yeah. Terrence Mann for James Harden, like it's not a fucking conversation. Like that's just not a serious trade offer. If you're the Clippers and you're saying, "Hey, we're giving you expiring contracts and we might give you Terrence Mann if you really make us think about it and maybe come down on your pick ask and things like that." Like that's just not a serious request. So, I think as of now the Sixers have been correct to just kind of wait this out and wait this out and i also understand harden's perspective like from his point of view whether it's right or wrong in the sixers eyes he thinks that he wanted to be taken care of long term it didn't look like that was going to happen here wants to move on and he's kind of just waiting to see how this ends up but i i think he for the time being we'll see if he gets uncomfortable, as he said he yes. might on Instagram. But I think at least for right now, he's handling this probably as he should. So I thought the initial part of the interview, I think it was the first question was maybe like, what have you learned in this offseason or something along those lines? And he said, I learned the NBA is a business. And it's like, James, you've been traded multiple times. Like, you know, it's a business. You've been a part of this. You've been in the league this long. Like, I don't think you just learned it's a business. That's something like third year players say after they get cut or traded. So he knows it's a business to me. That was a thing of, and I'm obviously like just taking my takeaway from it. 
is I thought I was friends with Daryl Morey, but apparently it's just a business. That was my read on it. Like I thought me and Daryl had a relationship where he told me one thing and that was what was going to happen. But now something else has happened. Obviously, like there's been tons of reporting on this that where he was expecting this, the Sixers didn't do it. And so that's the business part of it. So I thought the one line of saying I've learned it's a business was his way of hinting and kind of confirming what people have been saying, that he is mad at Daryl Morey, that this guy that he probably once considered his good friend feels burned by him and that it's a business. So that that line um, I thought was was kind of the main takeaway in a way. His, his opinion on Damian Lillard and the trade he was very rational about it. I, I I don't know if I expected him to maybe say, hey, players should play where they want to play. We're the ones that are out on the court. If a player wants to play, play somewhere, you should do everything to get him there. Like he could have done that because to your point and credit to the to the host, she found a way to get him to talk about play, about trade requests without getting him to talk about his own situation. Now, maybe he's just giving the PR answer. Who knows? But at this point, we've heard from Harden once in this interview We've heard from Daryl Morey the week before, and neither made it sound like an especially hostile situation. Like Morey confirmed that Harden wanted out, and Harden, you know, kind of did, did that as well with the it's just a business thing. But Harden seemed very like, hey, if you're not getting what you what you want, then it is what it is. I just wonder, like, that's extremely subjective. Like Harden could sit here and go, hey, they're offering you this package, these picks. Like, I think that's fair. I don't want to be yeah. here. This is a good return. And I'm upset about that. I don't think Harden's going to be texting Daryl Morey or his agent and saying, all right, if they include Terrence Mann, then that's good. But if not, I understand. Like, Yeah, that, like, that clears the bar. Like, exactly, that's, that's enough right. to like, get it done. I don't think he's sitting there with all his Bun B Trill burgers, like waiting to see if Terrence Mann can get included to decide if, if he's going to eat it. So I, I thought that he came across as very calm and rational about it. I, you know, he really kind of de- – I don't want to say defended the owners or the teams, but he said straight up, like, I see both sides of it. So I thought his answer on it um, outside of that was good. Uh, And yeah, I don't know. Like if we would have recorded this before that interview, I was definitely going down a path of just trade this guy. Like to me, him not going to the Joel Embiid wedding thing, I think was like a line too far to cross of not going. (laughs) So that I felt was, was extremely messed up. But then this interview, he did seem a little more rational. I want to save the wedding discussion for a little <laughs> bit because I wanted to touch on something uh, related to Lillard and, and all this. Mm-hmm. I, I actually am curious. Do you think that – so looking at Lillard specifically in the Miami situation, yeah. do you think players would look at it as – so I think most people say Hero is probably the big piece that Miami's sending out, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think players look at that and say, oh, Tyler Hero's good and like that's a, if they should trade him, that's a good enough thing for Dame? Or do you think, and this is how Portland views it, how a lot of other people view it, do you think they think of it as, oh, he doesn't really make any sense there with what they have and like why would that be the trade? Do you think they, do you think the average NBA player thinks about it beyond? Oh, this is a guy who I know is good versus right. Oh, that guy doesn't make any fucking sense on a team with Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson are already like their core so, guys, essentially. So I think players do break this down much like we do. I think that they sit there and go, look, I think Tyler, whatever you think of Tyler Hero, he's not a need for them there. Like, 
But I, but I think in Damian Lillard's instance specifically, I would think that and we talked about this on the last pod, like backdoor conversations are had that he probably and his team probably felt there was a deal Miami would offer that they felt was fair. Like whether, mm-hmm. whether he does think highly of Tyler Hero, I'd be a little surprised. Tyler Hero feels like someone that everybody clowns if you look at how ridiculous he looks on the bench in his, in his outfits. Like I feel like he probably gets roasted quite a bit in NBA group chats around the league. But I think that I, I to your answer your question, yeah, I do think they break this down. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they're using the trade machine and, and, and all these things. I mean, think about, you know, how big like big time players around the league are essentially general managers. Like LeBron impacts what his team does. And I think he's able to break down and say, This is a need for them. This is their cap space. These are the draft picks they have. I think before a player demands a trade, not all of them. For some reason, I don't picture Harden doing this. Lillard, I think I do picture doing it. I think Lillard probably looked at all of it and was like, I think this would make sense for both sides. And that might be where the anger come from comes from, where he feels like, hey, I really think this is a trade that's good for you guys. You have Scoot Henderson. You're rebuilding. You get a, a young player in Tyler Hero. You get draft picks, however they acquire him, all those things. I wonder if maybe Harden's sitting there and being like, yeah, the Clippers aren't really offering anything for me, so you can't just give me away. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the one of the reasons I ask is that if you look at any kind of player polling or when players vote on all-star and like mm-hmm. all NBA, they're asked opinions on, I think they generally skew. Honestly, it's more of the Elliott Shore Parks school of basketball where they tend to, I don't, I don't want to say inflate because they just have a different perspective on mm-hmm. the sport than the average person but they tend to love scorers more than anything else. Like if a guy can create his own shot and score, they love those guys. Like DeMar DeRozan loved, I think way more by players than Mm -hmm. by the average, you know, basketball watcher. And and honestly, not to to get a Jokic thing, but I would guess this is why Jokic is not given the respect by players and like all-star drafts and stuff. Cause his game, I is think not so too. Yeah. But you look at like Devin Booker has always been very highly regarded. Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving always very highly regarded. And I'm not saying they're not loved by fans, obviously. Right. In Kyrie's case for all his issues that he has, you know, on and off the court, extremely entertaining player. His shoe sells like crazy, at least mm-hmm. before he lost his Nike deal. Um, and so there are just all these indicators that they tend to value maybe somebody like hero more than you know average john q basketball fan so i i just wonder if 
Harden or whoever else that they're looking at that situation and saying, oh, Tyler Hero, he's a guy I know. He's really good. He's a bucket and things like right. that rather than they need to figure out what can they turn Tyler Hero into that makes more sense for their team. So I, I do think like the high level players do think about it that way. Harden's such a hard person to get a read on. Like he's obviously one of the best players of all time. He's been in the league a long time. He knows how everything works. He he's knows super a ton smart about the league, too. players, super smart, all those things. But he almost doesn't give off the perception that that is what he is. So I almost don't picture him sitting there and like thinking about this, like, like chess, like saying, all right, I want to get to the Clippers. They need this, this, I don't picture him doing that. Maybe he does. Also, frankly, his agent has not been super impressive to me from the outside looking in during this whole thing. So it doesn't feel as well thought out. I think even opting in was probably something that was a semi last minute decision in a way like that even felt almost rushed to me. I also wonder, do you think players care what they're traded for? Like, do you think it's embarrassing to a player if it's like you traded this guy for me or all I, or if Harden only gets traded for, let's say, Norman Powell and, and like a first round pick? I know that contractually doesn't work, but like a package nobody considers is great. Do you think they care about that? Or is he just like, just get me to the Clippers and that's all that matters? I think it probably depends on the guy, right? Like some guys are probably more concerned with their perception than anything. And it's also dependent on how you perform after that trade. Like if a team trades you for peanuts essentially, and then you justify that trade value by playing like shit at your new home, then you know, what are you going to do? But if right. we always can go back and say, wow, this team got that guy for nothing. And then they play awesome and they win a title or they win awards, whatever it is. We always remember those. So I think it just, it depends on how they perform. And it's also like some guys are more sensitive than others. And I think ultimately if you put them on a team, they want to be on and they play well there. Like mm. no guy's going to think, Oh man, you traded me for this. If anything, I think it'd probably be more motivation. It's like, I'm only worth, you know, Norm Powell and Marcus Morris's contract and yeah. first round, like whatever it is. I think a guy like Harden, if he has, you know, and he's a prideful guy, I think, whatever his other problems are with the off-court stuff, he cares about his craft and cares about his legacy. So, you know, I think he might look at that as an opportunity to say, all right, I only went for that much. It's time for me to remind people like who I am, essentially. It was an also really funny part of the interview. And again, you could tell she was not allowed to ask. So I credit her of thinking of creative ways to get quotes out of him. But he's talking about like the difference between David Stern and Adam Silver. He's talking about recu uh, recruiting, uh, recruiting for the Houston Dynamo, like Messi in Miami. So it was like, I'm sitting here watching this 10-minute interview and I'm like, there's so many things I want him to talk about, like his relationship with Joel, Maury, and all these things. So it was uh, it was a masterclass from Harden's team. I'll give him credit for this, of uh, getting his face out there without actually having to uh, discuss anything. So I guess my last Harden question for you would be on this topic is, like I said, we've heard from Maury. We've heard from Harden. Has this changed your opinion on anything? Like, has anything they've said made you feel differently about his chances of causing trouble, his chances of being here, not being here. Do you think there were any takeaways from hearing from both Daryl and Hart? No, I, I still tend to think they need to trade him. But mm -hmm. and I'm not saying you trade him for whatever you can get for him. I, I think they've taken the right approach, as I said earlier. And I think this is going to come down to, at some point, the Clippers saying, 
look, the window that we have with Kawhi and Paul George is not that big. Their contracts are getting close to expiring. They haven't been able to stay healthy as is. Might only have a few runs, if that, with these guys. We need to make the team better by any means necessary. And James Harden, as much as he's had his issues in the playoffs and all that, considerably raises the floor for them in the regular season. And I think end of the day, the Clippers are probably going to pony up and holy shit. Apparently, Bronny James just suffered cardiac arrest. And that's crazy. Yeah. At USC. Sorry, that was like a big news story. That that like, obviously, prayers up for him. I hope he's okay and that he's uh, in stable. Oh, yeah. It It says says he's in uh, stable condition. So. Oh, so he is. Okay. So So now he's okay. Awesome. That's wow. that's really scary, man. That was, yeah. I saw that. I saw especially cardiac arrest, and I was like, that my whole brain just yeah. shut down. Especially someone that young, too. Yeah. But, well, listen, man. Well, what a, what I, a roller coaster there. So he is okay yeah. in stable condition as of now, as of this recording. So positive thoughts sent to uh, to Bronny James and his family. And yeah, LeBron, you know so. that just not to get on a tangent on this, but there's like a lot of studies that have been done in recent years about how hard these kids go and like yeah. AAU and things like that, and how it impacts. Normally, it's spoken of with injuries, like all the knee injuries and lower body stress stuff that happens to these guys. Because I don't think people realize how horrible basketball is on your body. I know people think of football as like it's like the violent collision Mm -hmm. sport and it has a lot of other risks associated with brain trauma and things like that. But with basketball, you're like the human body. You should not be running up and down on the hardwood over and over and over and over again. Yeah, 82 nights a year plus practice, all those things. And it's just a, you know, so I hope the brownie's okay. I hope this is just like some kind of weird blip. Maybe it's like a heat stroke sort of deal. Cause this is, you know, preseason type mm-hmm. stuff. It could have just been, I hope it's more something like that where maybe he's dehydrated. I mean, it must've like been a, terrifying for people. At oh, USC. I can only imagine. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know if you've ever when playing sports been on a team where you had a teammate like go down and it was immediately clear that it was. So I had, I played soccer with a guy who he took a, it was our goalie comes out for a ball, get takes a cleat to the face Ooh. and like broke his face and was knocked out cold. And they had to like medevac him out. And it was like, mm. I always think of that in moments where guys suffer either serious injuries or like when the DeMar Hamlin thing happens, like things like I'm, I'm just always amazed that guys even can collect themselves and, try to play let alone play well it's such a scary thing to see i do think a unique part of our job and there are a lot of fans out there who are able to to say like yes these are real humans these aren't just action figures we see every sunday or every you know three times a week in the nba but it it really is an interesting part of our job seeing behind the scenes like seeing nfl players throughout the week their health those type of things like how much their body hurts even though you just see on an injury report okay, he's got like a hamstring injury. He didn't, he was day to day. Like you see those words, you're like, oh, that's not that bad. But like guys like Jordan Mylotta dealt with a shoulder injury all the year last year and we don't talk about it. So to, to take this one step further and then we can get back on track. 
this is why for the most part, the Killian Mbappe thing aside, but like, I think that this is why I'm always like athletes should take the most money they can right away. This is like why I'm, I'm, this is like the crux of it. This is why it's important for athletes to get paid because they're the ones that have physical limitations to their career. They're the ones that are risking their health. And uh, yeah, so definitely, uh, definitely thinking about Bronny. It's an interesting juxtaposition to now go to James, who's talking about holding out over 36 million. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I guess so to bring it all the way back, you basically don't feel much has changed from the James Harden and Daryl Morey. Uh, yeah. Things. Yeah, okay. sorry. That was wasn't <laughs> trying to turn this into like the right. player health podcast or anything, but just one of those things that once, yeah. uh, once you see that flash across the timeline, it's hard to- It definitely uh, catches your attention. So recenter yourself. I guess in more, obviously, more, you know, joyous news, uh, but I, a take off of it, like Joel and B got married. Um, I feel like we've spent a large part of this offseason breaking down footage of parties, whether it was the white party, the Michael Rubin party in Las Vegas. Uh, and now we have Joel Embiid's wedding going through. And this is my Instagram stalking skills at work here. You know, you're going through the tag photos, seeing who's where, looking in the backgrounds, all those type of things. Um, seemed like a lot of his teammates were there. Mo Bamba was there. I believe they do have a previous relationship, if I'm not mistaken, Uh to this year, Jaden Springer was there, which is to me, Jaden Springer screams, I've invited everybody on the team. I'm sure they're close to a certain extent, but it's not like he's played a ton in the NBA. He's been around the organization for a few years, but he's mostly down, uh, you know, in Delaware. So what'd you think? I mean, the obvious thing is James Harden was not there. James Harden was out. Uh, I believe if the timelines connect, he was out. It looked like a, a concert or a party. He was at Rolling Loud over the weekend. There we go. So he was at Rolling Loud. Uh, PJ Tucker was there with him. There's now PJ Tucker with his you... shirt off. We should clarify. <laughs> yes, yes. Harden didn't have his shirt off. PJ did. Um, but there was a clip that was so funny, and you could just tell that it was going to end up being a viral clip of James yeah. just dr- grabbing as many burgers as he can from this like free thing of Bun B Trill Burgers. Now, I'm sure he was handing them out to friends. I can't imagine he was eating five burgers. But what did you think of James not going to Joel's wedding? So that was where it was like, okay, that that seems like you're making a little bit of a point here, James. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's kind of shitty that it ends up happening with Joel's wedding. Like there are a lot of other ways the point could be made without skipping out on now. Look, could just be that him and Joel communicated and could say, Hey, I don't want to be a distraction at your wedding. Mm -hmm. Like on a much smaller scale, actually at our wedding, there were some family situations that Mm -hmm. were uncomfortable for different parties that I had someone communicate to me that they were not coming because of those things. Cause they didn't want the day to turn into, right. Oh, this is about me. And you know, this other person, it's about you and your wife. Mm-hmm. or soon to be wife at that point. And like, that was something I appreciated at the time. So it could have just been James doesn't want to become the, I don't want to assume that because he's not there, it's like some malicious bad thing. It could be as something as simple as that. That said, when a video <laughs> pops up of you at a concert, all right. sweaty with a tray of, of burgers and PJ Tucker is like shirtless getting the same burger. I would honestly say it's probably more disappointing in Tucker's case that he's there yeah. and he basically flew completely under the radar in this situation 
mostly because he grabbed one burger and not four. Yeah, not and five. people automatically went to the uh, the fat suit jokes mm-hmm. and all those things. But Tucker, like, yes, I, I do think it's probably, as we've discussed before, likely that he gets moved if and when a hardened trade happens. It, it makes some logical sense. But on the other side of it, it's like, bro, for the time being, you're still supposed to be like the the vet of the team. And I can't imagine, like, maybe Joel and PJ are not best friends or anything. I can't imagine that he, like, didn't get an invite to this wedding. Because to your point, if Jaden and Paul Reed right. and Mo Bamba and these other guys are there, and I know that, you know, it, it probably means a little more to Paul Reed or Jaden Springer to get invited to Joel's wedding than PJ, who's been around the league for a, a yeah, million Yeah, does years lavish, and, lucrative things all the time. Yeah, but it's just, you know... It, it's well, a we, thing you would like to see them at. It's not a thing that I'm going to sit here and like crush anybody for, but it is it's slightly disappointing. Well, say that. you know, let's think about this too. Like James Harden requested a trade demand, what, two months ago, six weeks ago, something like that, whatever it is at this point. As two people that have been married and have done this, wedding invitations don't go out six weeks before. So I would imagine everybody on the team was invited. Like they, I... I will be very disappointed in Joel if it was like of the 15 players on the roster, seven or eight were invited. I think at that point, you just, you invite your guys that you've played with. James Harden should be invited. PJ should be invited. I think it would be frankly bad leadership not to invite key players on the team to your wedding. But if James didn't go and to piggyback, I guess off, you know, your story, like if he's not there, then that means something's in the air. Like when you look at them at the white party of Michael Rubens thing, it looks like everything's all good. You see, you know, the video of him giving him the Rolex. I know that feels like a different lifetime ago. It seems like everything's all good. So while we can say, and I agree with you, there might've been part of this that is like, hey, this is a bit of a distraction if you come, da, 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 da. I don't know. Is it really? Like if they're really cool still, and we talked about Joel throwing that lifeline out, the only real distraction is people see photos on Instagram and go, oh, hey, it looks like, you know, that's cool. James was there. I don't know what the other distraction would be. Other, they've they've partied already before. They it appears they've been in communication. James uh, Joel's talked about he's happy the way James handled it. So, I you know, and James was at a concert, so he didn't have like some type of super important. I, I at least I would guess. Yeah, like, right. Thing that you know, like a sponsorship or whatever. So I, it was a moment where I genuinely was was like very disappointed in James Harden that he did not go, and PJ as well. Like Joel's a captain of the team, or he, you know, he should be at least. He's the leader of the team. He's getting married. You've presumably been invited. Like, I would be disappointed with my wedding if somebody that I considered a friend or an important coworker, whatever, like just straight up didn't come. Like, obviously, there's always reasons people can't go to weddings. But imagine if you're you, one of your most important coworkers didn't come to the wedding, and then you see on Instagram he's like out partying. I, 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 yeah. I agree. There could be things we don't know, and there very well likely are things we don't know. But from the outside looking in, it was the first moment for me where I thought maybe this is not going to work. Like maybe yeah, he I really is upset and maybe this is a thing where he, he is not planning. I mean, like Tobias was there. George Niangs was there. He's not even on the team anymore. So there were a lot of his teammates. Yeah. I, the only reason I'm giving him an out is because I don't want this to turn into the like shit on James all off season thing. Cause mm-hmm. there so much of the story is being told through, the Sixers lens. And that's fine. Like we're a Sixers podcast. Yeah. And, you know, obviously if and when James is traded, we're going to continue to talk about the team, but uh, 
I do have to try to keep the perspective of like, why does he feel this way? Or why would he do this when I'm working with incomplete information most mm-hmm. of the time? And frankly, I don't know how like celebrity weddings really work in terms of the politics of invites and all that. Like I know how they worked for my wedding and like friends of mine's wedding, well, you're a celebrity. but I don't know how many people make the guest list. I don't know how many right. save the dates go out. I don't, you know, I don't know how all this shit works. So To your point, I agree as a general concept. It's disappointing he's not there when it looks like Joel and his now wife were inclusive of like all the guys on the team. Yes. Former coaches with the team, former trainers, assistants I saw were on the guest list. Wasn't Daryl Morey there? Am I wrong about that? I believe he was. And so maybe that's Paul Reed was there. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah, maybe that is it. Yeah. It could be as simple as that. So, but here, here's what I would say too, to like, to your point about making this not a pod where every, every two days we just rip James Harden. Yeah. I actually think me and you have been two of the people that have been on Harden's side, like a little bit more. We defended this team throughout the year. We talked about how James Harden was playing well. I know at least for myself, like I've been taking like all types of shots on WFP. Cause I'm the only person that's sitting here and being like, they're not a train wreck. It's like, and I think James Harden should be back. I, I I would sign him and I would have signed him. I would have kept him. Um, and I think he's mostly handled this to a certain extent, the best you can. He's not out there all the time making shots. I just like, maybe, maybe it's my soft spot for weddings and Joel. I just, I don't, it just seemed hurtful to me. That's the only thing I can say to your point. I don't know all the details. It just seemed a little like, it just seemed a little hurtful that Joel got married and, and it felt like the first kind of real, like if this happened during the Ben Simmons thing, we would all sit here and be like, oh, they're not friends. Like, remember how much talking there was about how much if Joel and Ben were friends, if Ben didn't go to Joel's wedding, we would never sit here and be like, well, maybe this, that, whatever. Like, that's what we would say. So I don't know. I, it was just my first eye opening moment of like, damn, maybe this guy really is serious about getting out of here. Well, it's one of those things, too, where you learn as you grow up that perception is really important, even yeah. if it's not reality. Like you could be on a low level sports team, but like you showing up for an optional practice, even if it doesn't mean really anything, like you Mm -hmm. showed up for something in July in your sports off season that was not required, but you're there that the perception is, Oh, this guy really wants to get better and really wants to improve and all that. And so that's true of anything in life. Like the perception that people have of you, oftentimes is as important as the reality of the person because most people don't know other people that well you have like a small group of people right. family your close friends that really know you everybody else is trying to make that picture of you based on limited interactions and other things so i don't think we have to assume it was necessarily this big vindictive hardened thing but he knows by not going there that how it's going to come off. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, the, yeah. the question well, is who the hell knows what is going through his mind right now. And look, I will say, as I've said before, as a fan of Bravo TV, I'm loving the discourse <laughs> on what it means not to go to a wedding. But yes, I'm sure if to people listening, yes, it's a slow news time. I understand this is not the end all be all of that. But the last thing I'll say about before we move on to the final thing. Like if, if James Harden still viewed this as something that he wants to put work in and build the relationship, like then he would, he would probably be there. So it was probably just a, one of our first signs that like, 
maybe James has mentally moved on from this team. Uh, and now whether that means physically he gets to move on come training camp time, we'll see. But uh, I was just surprised not to see him there, given how the offseason at least had been so far of them being in places together. So last topic, um, I don't remember what we we're going to talk about. I know we want to talk about uh, potential the free potential agent signings, free roster agent. construction. Yeah. yeah. So you wrote an article, I believe it was about maybe a week ago on Philly Voice, maybe a week and a half, uh, about potential free agent signings that they could they could go out and uh, and, and acquire. Since then, I believe they filled at least one roster spot. I think they have one full regular roster spot left. Obviously, with this James Harden thing, you want to probably keep flexibility where you can take back one more player than you're trading out, especially if it is this Clippers trade, if it's Harden and PJ for you know uh, Morris, Powell, and they finally give in on Terrence Mann. You want, you want to have that flexibility. But they do still have an open roster spot. A lot of people are concerned they haven't improved the team. Just curious from a roster construction standpoint. I know Daryl says don't look at the roster right now. But what do you think about what where the team's at? Maybe like who are some guys they potentially could still target? Well, I mean, the names are the same as they were a week and a half ago. Like guys like Kelly Oubre are just kind of floating out there. Everyone else, I mean, he's – I don't like Kelly Oubre as a player personally if you're asking me. Yeah, that he's came across empty, in your little write-up. Yeah. <laughs> he's an empty calories player who, whenever he's been on a good team, they've gotten worse. And that doesn't mean it's his fault. There are obviously other circumstances connected right. to that. But him scoring 20 points on a bullshit team last year doesn't mean anything to me. It means the guy got a lot of shots and does not really fit in a world where you want it to be a, a swing the ball around the floor team first offense like just not that kind of player it's a reason he didn't fit in in golden state other than him though if you just go down the list either you're gonna have to take a flyer on somebody who can't really shoot or has had like a down season you're gonna have to take a flyer on someone with injury issues so that's like justice winslow Mm -hmm. an old guy like terrence ross i guess he's not that old but Terrence Ross is just kind of old. And, I feel like he's older. been around my entire NBA life. Right. I think he's like, if we looked it up right now, he's probably in his early to mid thirties. I would yeah. say I, I'm going to guess 33. I'm going to look at his, I'm going to go 31. It's born 32 and he'll be oh, 33 in middle. February. So we're, yes, yeah, so we're right there. Yeah. So Danny green is out there. Obviously could bring him well, back and piss everybody off. Yeah, excite fans. I can only imagine the reaction to that. Yeah, I mean the reaction would be terrible. And like that's that's kind of what's out there right now. I was talking to somebody uh, at one point in this offseason about all the new CBA stuff, and I think there's mm-hmm. been a reality for players that there have been guys that I think in the past would have expected to get maybe the taxpayer mid level or even the non taxpayer mid level or portions of the the non taxpayer mid level that now they're hearing from the representation, like we could get you a minimum deal somewhere and you can play like a one year, prove it and try to get right. paid next off season. But I think people are so reluctant to give out long-term money and to give inflated contracts to anybody other than, you know, real deal role players or stars. It's depressing the market for a lot of these guys. So I think in some ways, the strategy the Sixers have used is smart because they've only signed minimum guys. And the longer this offseason rolls on, the 
fewer roster spots are available. And so guys that were probably thinking, hey, I can get X, Y, Z from these other teams, they're going to have to take a, a minimum deal from a team that can offer them a role. And, you know, one of the quote unquote advantages the Sixers have right now is that mm-hmm. they had all these role players who played real minutes last year walk. And so these guys can walk into, you know, maybe a 15, 20 minute a night type of role. So we'll see. I don't know that they're actually going to sign anybody else because I think there's sort of a inherent belief that when they trade Harden, if they trade Harden, it would be for probably multiple players. I don't think there's a a star player coming back unless they turn this into some giant multi-team trade. And so I think the expectation is they probably are going to have to cut or move other guys that are already on the roster because I think it's going to be Harden going out and maybe, you know, two or three guys coming back potentially. So an interesting component of the Sixers, at least how they're kind of publicly speaking about it, strategy is like keep contracts that are short, get a ton of cap space next off season and try to either acquire through trades or free agency, big time players. Do you think there's some risk in do in having so much of your strategy be based off of cap space and acquisitions and all that, like during a time where so much is unknown with the CBA, obviously Daryl is clearly a smart guy. I think he is probably in the top. I, I would like five of the league of like an ability to really understand the CBA and find competitive advantages and all those things. But do you think where there's so much unknown and we're kind of in a bit of a uncharted territory with this, there is extra risk for the Sixers of building their strategy around the the cap and the cap space and and acquiring players that way? There's risk just in the sense of what the hell is the team going to look like this year? I mean, we've said it a hundred times, but the one big thing that really matters is how does Joel Embiid feel about this. And I think that recent interview he did made that pretty clear. He doesn't want to take, you know, years at a time where he's playing with BS supporting casts and, and teams that can't help him try to chase a title. That's the guiding light for him. He wants to win a championship. And so you might be able to say this year, okay, we're going to take a, a small step back. You might be able to sell him on one more of these call it a gap year, which is kind mm-hmm. of what they had during the Simmons situation, although they were able to bring Harden in at the end. But then next offseason, you really got to take advantage of all the flexibility you have, whether that's signing a guy in free agency outright or you're flipping assets that you picked up with the Clippers trade or whoever you deal Harden with and sending that out to a team that, hey, maybe they have a guy on a contract that they just don't feel like having them on the team anymore. And they're looking at their long-term contention plans and saying, we got to just strip it down and rebuild. And like, you're looking at it that way. And I think that's the thing to keep in mind with the cap spacing. It's not just, Hey, these are the free agents next summer and maybe they can sign one of them. That is really important, right? Because you can't Mm -hmm. bank on a trade either, but the cap space argument comes from multiple places. Maybe some guy wants out, And all of a sudden the Sixers are appealing because they can be a trade destination and they can go get a big time free agent. And then you're saying it's Joel and two other guys instead of Joel and one guy you can sign. So there are a lot of different outcomes that can happen. You can never bank on cap space turning into anything. Sometimes it just means you're overpaying guys that shouldn't be overpaid. But based on the Sixers 
you know, not overpaying for James Harden when he was already on the team, I would think they'll probably be intelligent about their spending. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, something Sixers fans have had to grapple with all offseason. It really comes down to like how much you trust Daryl Morey to execute this plan to to win a standoff with the Clippers. And there are definitely fans out there that do not trust him after last year and all those things. I would still put myself in the camp of, I think Maury is good at his job. I don't think he's someone, I think he very much appreciates star talent and knows it's important to have it. And I think that's that foot like core philosophy is at the backbone of every decision he makes. I would be surprised if they punt this year, but we shall see. So any other final thoughts uh, before before we get out of here? This is a bit of a shorter one, you know, for all those slow slow news day people. We won't force shorter one. Else. We almost went forty five minutes. Do you have any yeah. Barbie or Oppenheimer takes while we're? So uh... I did not see either yet. To be honest, man, like I think it's unfair. I have to go to the movies to see these. Like I want to just watch it at home. Like what are we like? If you want to see Oppenheimer and what are you seeing it in? Like a seven hundred seventy millimeter IMAX. Yeah, seventy mil. Like, I, that'll be awesome for you. You'll have fun. I just want to watch it at home. Like, so I have not seen either yet. I want to, I want to see Barbie. I want to see Oppenheimer, but like, I haven't done it yet. So upset alert. I saw Barbie before you did. You did. Oh, well, yeah. for a shout out to your wife. I'm sure she was, uh, what yeah, you we think? did a, we did a group outing to it. It was good, man. It was, you know, I, I am expecting to have enjoyed Oppenheimer more once I see mm-hmm. it. It's more in my wheelhouse, but I just can't believe. I guess everybody has to have a take about everything, but there, well, there's like me. a yeah. there's a there's like a pushback against this movie for stupid reasons. It's just like it was a fun movie that a lot of women seem to have taken like great joy and empowerment right. and all kinds of things from. My wife loved it. Her friend loved it that we went with. It was a funny movie. I thought Ryan Gosling was a lot funnier than I've seen him be and. No other movies I've seen him in, and I'm not mm-hmm. like a Gosling hater or anything, but he was good. The music well, I thought he was might good. get like best supporting actor for it, or at least he's getting. All buzzed. Right. See, that's where we're going a little too I, far. See, I haven't seen it. I just can't imagine there's a real world where he gets an award for that movie. I'll give the Barbie movie credit. When I first saw it was being made, and I saw like initial clips or whatever, I thought there is no shot I would want to see that movie. It seemed like it wasn't going to be good. Whatever. The the marketing team has done a phenomenal job of making it seem like something yes. people should want to see. But if that, if the marketing team wins Ryan Gosling, like an Oscar, I mean, that is, that, that would is be crazy. Movie. Like, I think he was very good in the movie, but let's be honest here. That's yeah. just not, but I will say that deserves the, the, you know, the popularity it's had. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was a fun Got time. the official recommendation from you. Unlike Elliot Shore Parks, I actively enjoy going to the movies. I think yeah. more people should go to the movies. I understand. I will say they did. The studio spoiled everyone by that period in the pandemic saying you can just watch this new release yeah. night one on like HBO Max or these other services. And I would say broadly speaking, I understand the inclination people have to like a lot. People have like 60 inch, 70 inch TVs and mm-hmm. sound systems. You don't have to pay a thousand dollars for snacks and tickets yeah, you and sit at your home. It's also the reason I've kind of been thinking for years that the future of sports is like, they're going to be people you're going to charge fans to watch in like VR and you can essentially act like you're courtside at the game yeah and that that's i mean have you seen that... like 
I've seen clips where you can kind of like stand in the middle of the field. Like obviously in your living room, it's not as big, but like the guys run around you and stuff like that. Like I definitely think there's a future in that. So I know the NBA specifically has worked with uh, Oculus, which I guess is under meta now, but Mm -hmm. to try to introduce VR as a, a viewing experience. And I think long to like, I'm not ever, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where they're just playing in empty gyms and stadiums. But I do think there will be more and more people who that's how they consume sports because of all the now you have all these comforts at home. It's not that hard to like have everything you want mm-hmm. there and watch it in 4K or feel like you're closer to the game than when we were growing up. It was like the broadcast quality was so it was Dude, much I watched better Iverson than when my dad grew now. up, obviously, but the <laughs> yeah. quality was bullshit. Yeah, it's very like when you watch back old YouTube clips, you're like, wow, I can't believe like people watched it like this. And I, I was one of them. Um, So the premier league games were at the stadium this weekend. And there was a video they put out of a ref cam where I guess a ref had like a GoPro on his chest or somewhere. And I'd imagine if they did what you're talking about with like VR and it would be a better angle. I will say though, is like the purpose was to make you feel like you're in the middle of what's going on. It was impossible to follow what was happening in that game. And it also made me think, and feel bad for how job how hard ref jobs are. Like I know I'm not seeing not exactly easy. what he's seeing because I'm seeing it from his chest and not his eyes. But when you look at that, it is being a ref, man. I just, again, I don't get why anyone signs up for it. It seems like a very <laughs> thankless, terrible, low-paying job. You agree? No more to add. And no you more have to a hard out very soon. So let's I know. Yes. Here. Well, actually, so little behind scenes baseball, whatever that saying is. I had an eye appointment. I got a text in the middle of the pod saying it was a medical emergency. My doctor's not going to be there. So I actually don't have the hard out anymore. Prayers up to whatever's happening with my doctor. I'm guessing that's just an excuse to not have to do it. But um, <laughs> we'll get out of here. I guess the last thing I would just be like, Dude, I really hope Kylian Mbappe doesn't take this money. Like, if there's, like, something I feel the most passionate he's, about. I think right uh, now, there's already reporting that he's not going to. I know, but the reporting feels a little loose on it. I just, I really, really hope he does not take the money. Because I just, this feel like it would be the moment where, like, the floodgates open and everyone just goes to the, the Saudi League. And I know his salary is different and all that. Like, but the LeBron tweets, I just, this, I think Killian can really stop this right now if he says no. And I really hope he does. The 776 million is a lot of money. Hypocritical after saying athletes should get as much as they can, but like with great power comes great responsibility. And well, I just he's gonna make a ton of money anyway. And yeah. the, so I he's gotten a bad rap from some people because he made comments about like South American soccer and some other mm, shit. That I, yeah, I haven't seen those off. comments. But this is a lot. This is like mm-hmm. pre-World Cup, I believe. But I think one thing that's clear with him is like he wants to win and compete at the highest level. Like what he's had all kinds of issues with PSG and whatever, but like Mm -hmm. I, it's mostly like he wants to get paid what he thinks he's deserves. And I think that's, that's how he should act. He's, you know, one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Super young. You should get paid a ton of money. And he wants to play for very good teams. Like the rumors are he wants to go to like Madrid who they, Mm -hmm win champions league like every other fucking year uh, at the expense of the team that i root for so you know i uh, i understand kind of his driving force behind him and you know i i agree with you i hope he doesn't go there because the the whole idea of like this saudi arabia league being real is just kind of yeah and then look i get that 
and I have great respect for LeBron and Giannis from afar. I don't know them personally. They seem very smart, intelligent people that always seem to be on, in my opinion, to an extent, like the right side of things. So I, I respect them. But when they're tweeting yesterday, just like, you know, this would be me running to take the Saudi money and all that. I was, I was just surprised that was the reaction from two people that um, seem to think a lot about what they say on, on issues and things. So anyway, that was just why I've been thinking about it basically nonstop since yesterday. So I wanted to, to put it out there for any pod listeners also, uh, also thinking about it. So until next time, we probably won't talk about Mbappe on the next pod if I had to guess, but it's still the off season. So who knows? Maybe we will. Um, I think we're back on Thursday. Let me say this. If you're, if you are still listening right now, love you. Appreciate it. Tweet us a question, like email us, tweet us, whatever you want to do. And we will answer it on Thursday's pod. We'll try to do a little bit of a mailbag thing. Different questions Sixers fans might have those types of things. So, um, Kyle, until next time, man, I will talk to you uh, later in the week. Talk to you guys soon.